0: the book writers resource podcast the book writers resource podcast hello and welcome to episode five of the book writers resource podcast i'm here as ever, with Mandy and David. So, hello, Mandy. Hi. Hello, David. Hi. And today we're going to talk... um, Mandy did an interesting thing. You did a bit of a shout-out, Mandy, asking people about what were the things they struggled with most when they were starting to write a book. And you got a bit of data to go on and a few answers to those questions. So, um, do you want to tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've labelled it a little acronym, A A-S-F-C, the first one was accountability. So 54% of people want some help in terms of being accountable to get their writing done. So that's the physically sitting down and getting the job done. Um, Next thereafter was structure. So quite often people know what they want to say, but it's how I structure it, how I get it done. Um, And then the other one that comes up really often that David and I have experienced is customers come and talk to us and say I've got this idea for a book is it any good and then finally um, people don't struggle with so much is the content in terms of what to write because if you're a subject matter expert you're going to know you're going to know what you want to put in a book yeah
0: right okay so this first one then that came up this uh, this idea of accountability how do I do this how do I get this done so so what's your you and David what have you got to say to people in terms of that
1: Well, if you think about all the famous authors, um, I always think about Agatha Christie. She agonised for weeks before she'd started writing. And if you read her autobiography, it made me laugh out loud because her husband said, oh, for goodness sake, just get in that room and get it done. So she'd agonised for three or four weeks and then she'd just blat out a book because she had a a bill she wanted to pay or a house that she wanted to buy. Um, And Hemingway was another one, whether or not you like him as a writer. He used to say, you know, before you do anything else, write, just get it done and then forget about it because then you let your subconscious move on to the next day and let your subconscious come up with the writing for the next day. So accountability really is somebody holding you accountable for getting that work done and having discipline. Um, And a lot of people talk about writer's block, but really we, we think it's just a question of forming a habit and once you've formed a habit for so many days, you'll want to get into the routine of doing it. And actually, as a writer myself, when you do sit down and write, even if you don't know what you're going to say, as soon as you put your hands on the keyboard or if you're, if you're um, like another author that we've, we're working with, he talks his book into an app called Otter. As soon as you make a start, it starts to flow and the creativity kicks in and uh, writing brings down writing that's another famous author the guy that wrote ron of the bailey he said nothing brings down writing like writing and that's absolutely true
0: so the process of writing itself will help you write yes okay brilliant all right and uh and any other tips from you david in terms of you know on I'm finding another reason to have another cup of tea, another packet of biscuits uh, and uh, anything to stop me from actually doing the job of actual writing, um, you know, that that's getting in the way. Anything, any other advice you could give?
2: So I, I read a quote recently where it said, um, there is no such thing as writer's block. There is only procrastination. And what you've just said there, you know, an excuse to make another cup of tea, uh, an excuse to just step away and something a bit fun you know i need to go to the toilet and you don't really you just want to step away from the computer i want a biscuit you know um you just need something to occupy yourself because you're procrastinating do you really want to write i don't know you know um and i think a good way to try and get yourself out of that is f- falling back on the having an accountability partner someone who is reading your book as you're writing it that can say i want to know more and What's really interesting is when Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, um, before he wrote Lord of the Rings, he obviously wrote The Hobbit. And it was his son that was saying, I want to know what happens next. I want to know what is this um, this ring that was given to Bilbo by Gollum. Now, the original version of The Hobbit, because we all know that in the, uh, the, the current version, um, Gollum loses the ring, Bilbo finds it and it makes him turn invisible, and Gollum goes mad. In the original draft, Gollum actually gives the ring to Bilbo as a trade. Um, I can't remember what the trade was, but he gave Bilbo. And then the story was retconned and changed that Bilbo found the ring. Gollum wanted it back because it was his precious. Hence, the Lord of the Rings um, formed itself. So if you've got someone who can read your book, As you're writing it and say, I want to know more, write this down, I want to know more. That will give you the the kick up the backside to keep going because you have someone who's invested in your work. They want to know exactly what's going on in here and it's no good you telling them. They want to read it, they want to know all the details. So in having that kind of accountability partner, you will eventually get your book finished because you have someone saying... Tell me, tell me, tell me.
1: There's lots of groups on Facebook that you can join who will hold you accountable. Um, Find yourself a a writing buddy so you can swap each other's work over. And as a writer myself, I've joined a group. Um, It's two hours a week. And um, what surprised me was they... We write on one day and by three days later I've got to hand in homework and that was like, oh, sharp take a breath. I'm like, okay, that's a good way to hold accountability. But also at that point what you're getting is gentle feedback on your writing which is going to either give you a pointer to, to the right direction if you're not writing very well, gives you ideas and tips from other people that are more experienced and also gives you the uh, confidence to carry on. And if you're taking feedback from a group in that environment, It's best to have it now rather than when your book's published and there's things that you might have been able to improve on. So it is like going to writing school, really, finding lots of different ways. And there are lots of different ways out there to get that accountability. Don't be on your own. That's what I would say is pair up with somebody, join a group and take part in these groups and become active as a writer.
0: Great. And that's got to be nice. Anyway, socialising with people is always good. And I guess if you meet new people, you get new ideas. That's where ideas come from, don't they? From other people. Um, Right. So we've got some ideas. We've got, we're beginning to write. We're beginning to procrastinate less. Um, So then the the next thing you talked about was this idea of people struggling with structure. So I've got all this stuff. How do I put it together?
1: I think the first thing to do really is to out all the ideas. Um, and and get them all down either record them into an app called otter or a similar app or write them all down what we call you know mind map brainstorming there's an app called mindly and it's a question of brain dumping everything that you know Um, and then working with uh, a structured process so we use something called ishikawa which is an engineering technique um it's also called fishy cower. It's invented by a Japanese engineer quite a long time ago now. And it's a problem solving technique. So it's based on the fish and the spine of a fish. And I thought actually the spine of a book, with all the spines coming off that, could be a solution to a particular problem. So in terms of if you want to write you know, say so for example I want to write a book about how to write a book, you each of those spines then represents a separate chapter, so it could be twelve chapters. Once you've got chapter titles, then I always say, if you've got a, um, a headline um, title for your book, a good strap line that may or may not change as you go through the process, 12 chapter headings, what you've got then is a really nice framework for the, from the for the writing to hang from. So it may be one day you think to yourself, actually, I've been thinking about the title of chapter three for a few days now. I'm going to write something in chapter three. So it doesn't have to be, I've got to start here, I'm going to finish here. It's just a question of um, having a framework that your words can hang from. And what you're doing at the same time is you're breaking the proverbial fish into bite-sized chunks to make the task more easy for yourself. And the other thing you can do eventually then is once you've got your um, words off that framework, a really good developmental editor will look at that and say, well, actually, is this ordered correctly? Does it make sense? Does it flow? And that's where we always recommend working with a qualified professional editor because they will polish those words and make that structure really sound.
0: Great. Don't get anything to add to that, David, in terms of structuring. I
2: use Mindly to write my own stories. It gives me a good foundation as what's going on in this bit, what's going on in this bit, who's this character, where do they come in, things like that. But you also have a method of free flow as well. And it's something that George R.R. R. Martin uses when writing the Game of Thrones books. Um, hopefully he will finish one day where he doesn't know what the ending of the story is. He wants to work it out as he goes along, because then it's as much a surprise to him as it is for the reader. And I think that that kind of it's harder to do. But it's also more fulfilling when it's done. Um, you can write quicker if you know the ending of your story. If you know, this is what's going to happen at the end, this is what I need to put to build up to that. And that's a really fast way of writing your book. Whereas the other way is more enjoyable, but actually it's more time-consuming because you're thinking, right, what's this character going to do? What's this leading up to? What's this event leading up to? And I'm speaking specifically for stories um, because subject matter books you need a definite structure. What, what is the end point of this book? We've worked on um, self-help books and the author had a clear end in mind for what that was about and built all of his writing on that. But if it's a story, you can free flow it. Um, so there's different ways of structure. But having those ideas down on something like mindly even if you've got a small room in your house a a cupboard even with a big piece of paper on that you've scribbled all of your notes on one of our clients he's got a wall full of post-it notes that directs him to what he's writing next what goes where so that structure is quite important in developing your story but when you free flow
0: it you can do the same thing but not know the ending Absolutely, I've heard similar things before. Actually, of um, of, and it's something very nice about physically taking the things, be it the post-it notes and moving them around. Um, and there were theatre company that devises, and they, um, when they devise a theatre performance, they quite often hang, they have a washing line, and they hang it all along a washing line, you know, and so and then they move it around on the washing line. So everyone's got their different variations of that, but certainly feels like having the stuff available for you so you can see it and place it be that digitally or physically is is useful okay um let's uh let's move on to the next thing um the other thing that people worried about well is this any good i think it's good or i've started to think it's good but i'm not convinced anybody else will think that how do we find out mandy
1: uh, well we talked about getting feedback from people haven't we already and the important thing to do when you start writing a book is to Start thinking about your beta reader. Um, start thinking about you. We talk about an ideal customer avatar. If you're selling a product, and your book is no different. If you want to make it commercially available, you need to know what your reader is going to be interested in. So it's identifying who your ideal reader is. What are they going to get out of this book, and how are they going to find it interesting? And the question. Is my book idea any good? I always turn it on it on its head. Um, when an author asks me or potential author asks me that, I always say, Well, what do you think? Because the ideas come from somewhere. Um, my belief is we've all got a story to tell, even if it's only a story that's left behind for our children when we're no longer here. And that's one of the reasons why I work on books. It's so important to leave that legacy. So It's really down to each individual author whether they think the book idea is any good. And then get the feedback from people around you, not necessarily friends and family, because I've had this conversation with quite a few other people who write. Your friends and family aren't necessarily going to be supportive, not because they don't necessarily care, but they're not invested in it like you are. And how many people really know somebody that is going to write a book anyway? So get feedback from people that you don't necessarily know get the objective feedback ask the questions Um, and when you do get feedback I always um, we've created a template that's based on um, um, a a, a business model SWOT so strengths weaknesses opportunity threats and what you're doing then when you're asking for the feedback is you're making sure that the reader the beta reader isn't going to have an opportunity to be Nasty or spiteful, if you like, you're giving them a guide to follow. It's important to ask for feedback from people that you you trust, and it's important that you caveat asking for feedback with why you want want the feedback and why it's going to help you with your book. So you're guiding them through a, f- a funnel of giving feedback that's going to help them give feedback more easily. And even where the feedback is negative, I think it's important to follow up and say, "Well, what made you say that?" Because you can become word blind to your own writing and you can be um, blind to other ideas that somebody else as a reader might come up with. So it's important to take that feedback. And I always say about feedback is it's a gift. It's not always gift wrapped, but actually if somebody's giving you feedback, they're putting themselves out on a limb because it's easy to quite often hear people diss feedback, but actually it's a mark of respect if they give you that feedback, so take it for what it's worth. So that's really important. And we always say as soon as you start writing a book, start talking about it and start asking for that feedback. Great. But be very careful about how you ask for feedback because, by golly, if you put it out there, you'll get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So I really like that idea of you be specific about the, the feedback, the areas that you want feedback on, um, and keep people to that. And I think that sounds like a really useful way um, of get, of kind of keeping yourself safe, actually, in that situation, keeping yourself kind of, the last thing you want is a huge blow to your confidence that feels unnecessary. Um, You want areas to improve on, constructive feedback, I think. So um, that's really useful advice. Okay, thank you. And particularly, I know that inviting your family's feedback is, is really odd because they see you in a very different way. And sometimes they might feel, they might have strong feelings associated with what you share deeper psychological stuff that that you don't really want really yeah so I think that kind of separation sounds really healthy absolutely
2: one of my favorite quotes from a a cartoon show is from robots see a need fill a need and in gaining your feedback as to whether your book's any good does it fill a need and that's not to say that you know, oh, it it doesn't feel this, it's it's terrible, you know. Um, Oscar Wilde said, everyone's got a book in them, but not everyone should write it. I do disagree with that. If you've got something to say, you shouldn't be silenced um, on it in in book form. Um, So find out from someone who can give you good critical feedback, as Mandy said, Um, preferably someone that you trust, but not necessarily a family member, because family... As you said, does have a, a judgment on you and what you've written. They might have a, a negative response to it. So it might be best to approach someone whose need is filled by the book. Does it successfully fill that need? And then if it doesn't, how can you make it fill that need? What feedback? So you need to always remember haters are always going to exist. Someone's going to be negative towards your work if you're not careful it's being able to spot that effectively and say, well, actually, they're being rather harsh here. Um, Whereas if someone's giving you critical feedback that might sound harsh, as Mandy said, it it doesn't come gift-wrapped, teasing out that information so that you can make your book better for it is always going to be beneficial rather than taking a blow, um, you know, because artists can be quite delicate. Um, And if you give... A critical feedback—it's well, you've just destroyed my work. Why would you do that?
0: Well, and also, it's part of you, isn't it? So, if you if you allow you can put that part of you on the line, then that can be quite risky to yourself. Um I, I really like that advice about um being uh, uh, thinking about who you want to re- to review and cr- to give feedback on your work. So, actually, if you're writing sci-fi, find some sci-fi readers. If you're writing a book about carpentry find some people that are interested in carpentry. So that sounds like useful advice too. Okay. Um, and finally, um, the last thing that we talked about, and I think it's, I think we've kind of almost got there already, but the last thing that people are concerned about is content, what to write about. And uh, I think we're touching on that anyway, aren't yeah. we, Mandy? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's all about setting objectives really. And the big, the big one is don't create something that people don't want. As David said, you've got to fill a need. So Take feedback from people who might want to buy the book and say, "Well, what do you think about this idea?" Find out if it's a subject matter book. What problems are you going to solve as a result of this book? There's lots of books out there, so how how will your book hit the target, hit the mark when others don't, and how it, how is it going to appeal? So yeah.
0: Okay, so I think that sort of tops it off for today in terms of the those questions people wanted answering um i hope we've answered them for you today uh so we're gonna uh leave it there and we'll see you on the next episode uh, episode six we will be exploring um all the different people and all the different stories that david and mandy have come across during their time so really it's just a celebration of all the wonderful stories that are out there in the next episode so i uh, do tune in and listen to that thanks very much for listening goodbye The Book Writers' Resource podcast features advice from Mandy Ward and David Hambling. If you would like to hear more from them, visit www.tbwr.co.uk or email info at tbwr.co.uk. This was a Listening Shelf production presented by Ian Pringle.